What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. This is Bill Press and Friends on the District Productive Network. The big latest in the whole Russian connection, which won't go away, by the way, Donald Trump tweeting again this morning, uh, trying to get people to think about Hillary Clinton and John Podesta and anything and the leaks and anything other than the Trump Russian connection, because he really they really hope that story will go away. Uh, But the latest break in it and one of the reasons why it won't go away anytime soon is Michael Flynn is out trying to seek, he, at least he made a, a bit of run for it last week, seeking immunity from the House Intelligence Committee and the Senate Intelligence Committee, both of which, by the way, said, um, well, not yet. We want to find out kind of what you got. We want to have some conversations before we would grant you immunity. But the very fact that he did seek immunity Uh, should be of some concern, and I think is definitely of some concern to the Trump White House, uh, because Flynn's attorney, and again, I'm not an attorney, but I understand it's very unusual to publicly seek immunity. This is usually something you talk about privately. But Michael Flynn's attorney publicly said that my client has a story to tell. That's why he wants immunity. Uh, what what do we think of immunity? By the way, the, the White House for now is taking the high road. Sean Spicer uh, telling us that the reporters at the White House uh, on Friday. Um, yeah, we want him to go down and testify. He believes that, that Mike Flynn should go testify. He thinks that he should go up there uh, and do what he has to do to get the story out. Uh, yeah, so do I. I think you ought to go down there and testify and get and get the story out. But as for immunity, what does it mean? Well, it depends on who you listen to, again, uh, or who you believe. For example, if you ask Michael Flynn what he thinks about immunity, well, he told us last year on Meet the Press. Five people around her have, had, have been given immunity to include her former chief of staff. When you are given immunity, that means that you've probably committed a crime. Oh, if you've been given immunity, you've committed a crime. <clears throat> what crime did Michael Flynn commit? What crime does he know that he committed? Or what crimes does he know that other people committed? Could he talking about? Could he be talking about Donald Trump himself? Uh, so that's what Michael Flynn thinks about immunity. If you've got it, you are guilty. What is a? Well, let's say what is Donald Trump? think about immunity. He told us himself, too, uh, last September at a campaign rally down in Melbourne, Florida. Then her aides took the Fifth Amendment and her ringleaders were given immunity. And if you're not guilty of a crime, what do you need immunity for, right? 
Uh, <laughs> uh, so they're both saying that Michael Flynn, if he wants immunity, there must be crimes involved, and he wants to tell the story, and he's seeking immunity because he doesn't want to go to prison for as long as he might otherwise go. Uh, or maybe he thinks he can get off altogether. But again, I got to tell you, I don't think that's good news for the White House. It's not good news for the White House. You know, I've said this before. I'm not sure that we're going to find some major smoking gun on Russia that shows that Donald Trump worked with the I, Russians to sway the election in his favor. I'm not sure that that exists. Right? Maybe it does. I'm not ruling it out. I'm just saying I'm not so sure that that exists. But there is definitely something going on here. Right. And, you know, tr- Trump and his people are just so upset for all the for all the talk that we that we had about Hillary being so secretive and protective and trying to hide things and all that. Like what he's doing with stalling and getting in the way of an investigation on Russia makes him look guilty as hell of something. And I'm not totally sure what it is. Right. But there's something there that they don't want us to know about. And if there isn't, then why the hell are they acting so guilty? Yeah, yeah. They're acting guilty. And uh, the, the, the way they have handled this could not be worse. Final, final note on Flynn. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, the leadership of both the House and the Senate have said it's too early to make a decision about granting him immunity. Uh, Congressman Adam Schiff, the uh, ranking Democrat on the House uh, Intelligence Committee, uh, saying you know, maybe someday, but not now. Well, I think we start out with a very healthy skepticism. There's a lot we need to learn before entertaining anything like this. And uh, Maxine, Congresswoman Maxine Waters, not a member of the House Intelligence Committee, but she was on with Joy Reid on MSNBC uh, over the weekend. Uh, she doesn't want Flynn to get a break. Uh, I think that not only did he lie uh, to the vice president and to everybody else, I think that he's deeply involved in what I call uh, the Kremlin Klan. And so I'm glad he did not get immunity. The Kremlin Klan. Mark that down. You're going to hear a lot about that phrase. (laughs) It's a new one. Good for vaccine. So, Peter, to your point. Uh, it is true, and I think it's uh, it's important to, um, to 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 lay this out there that what what do we know and what don't we know about this um, about the whole Trump Russia question? First of all, we know it's not disputed; it is absolute fact that Russia tried to Russia did interfere and try to influence the outcome of the 2016 presidential election in order to help Donald Trump. Fact. Not, not disputed in any way. 17 U.S. intelligence agencies. Why we have so many? Who knows? But we do. Unanimously stu- studied it, unanimously concluded that that was happening. And we've seen evidence beyond dispute of that fact. Fact, also, there is a there are a lot of connections, a lot of contacts between people around Donald Trump and Russian officials, including Russian intelligence officials. You're right. We do not know that there was any collusion. That's what's being investigated. We do not know that they were actually Trump people actually helping the Russians throw the election. We ought to know that. We, uh, hopefully, we're going to get to the bottom of that. There is an ongoing 
FBI investigation about that. There is an ongoing Senate Intelligence Committee investigation about that. Uh, there was supposed to be a House Intelligence Committee investigation about that, but that's been shut down by its incompetent chair, uh, Devin Nunes. But in terms of connection, there's no doubt. We'll get to Nunes, back to Nunes in just a minute. There's no doubt about the connection. Now, Sean Spicer, yet again, yet again on Friday, says everybody's looked at this and nobody, nobody sees any connection whatsoever. Everyone who's been briefed on this subject, from Republican to Democrat to CIA, uh, former Obama administration's Clapper, Brennan, uh, you name it, all of the people come back with the same conclusion. And I think that is important that there's been no evidence of the president's campaign and Russian officials. I, I, don't, I don't know how he can stand there and tell that lie over and over and over again. I mean, it's been widely reported that there were at least eight different people very close to Donald Trump who had multiple meetings with, connections with, conversations with Russian officials during that time. Uh, and I'll go over them again. It was Paul Manafort uh, and his assistant, um, Blanken. I'll get it. I'll get it. Right. Uh, okay. Uh, Rick Gates. Rick Gates. That's it. Paul yeah. Manafort and Rick Gates. There's so many okay. names I can't remember. Right. There's Michael Flynn. There's Jared Kushner. There's Jeff Sessions. There's Carter Page. There's Roger Stone. And there's Rex Tillerson. Tell me that's eight. It is. That's eight people. And we could go through all the different meetings that they had. That Those are the ones we know conversations about. They're the ones we know about. Yeah. And by the way, there's serious stuff there. Paul Manafort paid $10 million to do some PR work for Vladimir Putin around the world and improve his image around the world with, his, with Rick Gates, his deputy, helping him. Jared Kushner, not only meeting with the Russian ambassador, but at the ambassador's request, sitting down with the president of a bank that can't do business in the United States because there are sanctions against that particular Russian government-owned bank. And, and Jared Kushner has a business meeting with them in, in, him, in Trump Tower during the transition. Roger Stone saying that he's in communication with a person who was Guccifer too, who was leading the hacking into the DNC. These are not just incidental, oh, hi, by the way, what's the weather in Moscow these days, right? These are pretty serious connections. Rex Tillerson uh, getting a Medal of Freedom or friendship, right, or whatever, from the, from the Russian government, one of Vladimir Putin's best friends around the world, uh, opponent of U.S. sanctions against Russia. And then Michael Flynn, not only talking to the Russian ambassador, but it was revealed over the weekend, yet again, another Flynn connection, that he got paid big bucks for giving a speech in Moscow, paid big bucks by RT, Russian television, and sat at a dinner alongside of Vladimir Putin. So there are all these connections, and the White House continues to deny it, and they continue, and here's Sean Spicer on Friday in an exchange with uh, Glenn Thrush from the New York Times. They continue to try to um, say, oh, anything Hillary did was a lot worse. 
Her pattern of behavior is more suspicious than President Trump. I, I think that if you compare the two, it's definitely, when you talk about the stuff that went to their foundation, the concerns that existed around the sale of one-fifth of all the country's uranium, the paid speeches, the personal calls from Vladimir Putin, I think that when you want to look at a connection to Russia, there is a clear one there and much less of one that ever existed on, on this side. Uh, and yet again this morning, Donald Trump out with two tweets so far this morning saying that the uh, people that uh, in the Congress, they should be investigating Hillary and John Podesta and John Podesta's brother, uh, anybody but Donald Trump and people around him and the Russian connection. <laughs> so they <laughs> they keep trying. If we, What they're doing is so evident. Uh, as Adam Schiff said yesterday to Jake Tapper, if we can hear that again, uh, on State of the Union, uh, this is what... Donald Trump is saying, look over there, look over here, look over there, anywhere but here. His tweets tell the story, and the story is, look over there uh, at leaks, and look over there at anything the Obama administration we can claim did wrong on incidental collection or anything else. But whatever you do, under no circumstances, look here at me or at Russia. Uh, I think that's really what's going on. It's exactly, exactly. What's going on? That's what he always does. This is what this is truly one of Donald <laughs> Trump's talents, right? Whether it's the Freedom Caucus tanked the health care plan, sleepy eyes Chuck Todd, uh, <laughs> as he calls him, with the Russia stuff, uh, Hillary Clinton with whatever he bl- you know blamed her for. What didn't he blame her for during the election? Like he finds a way to make it somebody. It's never his fault. That is one of his true gifts. Is his fault. So, with previous uh, presidents, it's the buck stops here. Yeah, with Donald Trump, right? The excuse me, the the seal that died in combat, and he said, "Oh, they lost him." Mm-hmm. He took no responsibility for his role in planning or lack of planning in that combat mission. He blamed the crew that was with him. Look, he doesn't take responsibility. Yeah. He doesn't take blame. He doesn't do any of that. Look anywhere but here. So, again, fact. Russia tried to influence the election, which something which every American, Republican or Democrat, should be outraged about and concerned about. Donald Dick Cheney called it equivalent to an act of war. Uh, fact. Fact. There were multiple, multiple connections between people around Donald Trump and Trump himself within this universe contest over there and uh, his bragging about how many times he met with Vladimir Putin. Multiple connections between Donald Trump, his people, and Russian officials starting at the very top. What we don't know is, was there collusion between the Trump people? We don't know that yet. And, and maybe there wasn't. I'm willing to admit that there was not. But we don't know yet. Uh, that's why there's an FBI investigation. That's why there's a Senate Intelligence Committee investigation. There would also be a House Intelligence Committee investigation, were it not for the chairman, now exposed as nothing but a puppet of Donald Trump, Devin Nunes, um, because uh, he has gotten into so much hot water. Uh, his answer was just to shut down the Intelligence Committee. It's out of business. No hearing scheduled. No meeting scheduled. Uh, and he's, re- he's just running around playing cover-up for Donald Trump. And, and the latest was this little exchange of documents or this, uh, this um, release of, of documents. And it's worth going through that again. 
uh, to connect the dots because it does get a little confusing until you kind of back up and put the pieces together. So let's start with Donald, with the latest on Devin Nunes. Donald Trump told Tucker Carlson on Fox News, hey, in a couple of weeks, you're going to watch, you're going to see proof that what I said about Barack Obama ordering a wiretap of Trump Tower was true. There's going to be stuff coming out. We're all wondering, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Next thing, Devin Nunes stands up and says, I just was given some documents that show that what Donald Trump was saying was there was surveillance of Trump Tower. This is shocking. And I'm going to run right. I'm going to not tell you where I got these, but I'm going to run right down to the White House and tell Donald Trump about them. It's my duty as a member of Congress to inform the White House about these documents. And the White House told us that day, God, we don't know what he found. We don't know where he got them. We can't wait to see what he's going to tell us when he gets down here. It was all a big scam. It was all a big fake job. Devin Nunes had received those documents, now we know, from the White House, at the White House, the day before. So they give them to him, and they tell him, and he agrees to go back to Congress, and the next morning, pretend he's just suddenly discovered them, and then rush back to the White House, and pretend he's telling the White House about documents that they gave him the day before. I, you, you know, you could not, you could not write a movie script like this, right? And no. that's and that's what's going on. And now uh, Devin Nunes, in disgrace, really again has basically all he can do is shut shut down the the whole investigation. He has zero credibility left. I don't think they can ever put that committee back together again. Uh, John McCain yesterday uh, on I think it was on Meet the Press at any rate he was asked about fellow Republican Devin Nunes, John McCain. If we're really going to get to the bottom of these things, it's got to be done in a, a bipartisan fashion. And as far as I could tell, uh, Congressman Nunez killed that. Yeah, there it is. Killed it. Graham Weiss joins us, staff reporter for the New Republic. Hi, Graham. Nice Morning. to see you. Thanks for having me again. The idea that Bernie Sanders came up with during the campaign of free tuition, yeah, college tuition. Um, remember tuition the, free, tuition <laughs> free. You would always say. Right. Uh, <laughs> tuition free, tuition free. And Hillary wasn't quite there, and then she sort of came around. Right. Kind of, whatever happened to that idea? Is it still alive? It is still alive. Um, I mean, I know it is with Bernie. That's right. No, I mean, it. it this is actually. Um, I, I wrote a, a piece saying that, uh, in some ways, uh, that idea uh, was the most important and positive p- policy development of the Democratic uh, primaries, in the sense that uh, it became a, a mainstream uh, concept within the Democratic <laughs> Party. And um, although uh, there is actually this this very interesting uh, sort of bipartisan movement for free or tuition free community college that already exists across the country and you know the, for example Republican leadership in Tennessee years ago uh, put that in place and you know uh, lots of states have done that but now there are these um, 
two plans that are advancing in New York and in Rhode Island, which I wrote about. Um, Cuomo, who's the governor in New York, and wants to provide um, tuition for um, four-year schools uh, for for uh, if you if you sort of meet an income requirement. Uh-huh. And uh, and Gina Raimondo in Rhode Island wants to provide two years of free tuition. So the point is, uh, uh, there are these two Democratic governors, ambitious, both sort of presidential right. prospects for 2020, who are trying to get this idea uh, through the legislature. Anything in Congress? moving? Not, not at the federal level. At the, in fact, that's sort of, I mean, the, the, the take of my piece is that, is that it's going to have to happen at the state level for now. You know, I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I thought this was, right, one of Bernie's really strongest points. Yeah. And, you know, the Hillary people kept saying, well, it'll never happen. There's not enough money. Da, 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 da. But I thought Bernie made a very strong case in saying, you know, public, public schools, that was a radical idea at the time. Yeah. Right now we all accept that. But of course, you should have a free public education up to the year 12, up to grade 12. And everybody knows to succeed today and really get a good job, you need education beyond that. So why wouldn't the logical next step be free tuition-free for your college. And to uh, her credit, Hillary Clinton effectively embraced the idea in the the general elections. Yes, in the general elections, she did. Right. So, um, and you know, um, I didn't realize this until I got into that issue. At one time, in California, Mm -hmm. it used to be free. Absolutely. So there's a lot of precedent, and and of course around the world. I mean, you know, there, it's a it's it's not an uncommon idea. So um, the question will, will be, um, you know, can can these these two states uh, get it done? You know, does it turn out to be? Uh, are the costs manageable? Uh, you know, does the the programs work? But I think you know it, it, this is an example of where if you can have uh, some governors and and uh, you know ambitious Democrats at the state level model the program for the country, then you know it's a way for this like key progressive priority to continue to advance, even in the era of Donald Trump, when things are not going well at the federal level. I think that for the first time, and as long as I've been watching politics, Democrats, progressive Democrats, have really found their voice and are able to make the case that the government is here for these things, right? Like, we're at a moment now where we see, like, we Democrats could make a real push for Medicare for all or single-payer health care because we're there now. Right. Like as a country, we're a little more progressive or a lot more progressive than we sort of have been told over the years by, by cable news. But like the free college thing strikes me as the as the same type of thing. The government is there to make sure that we are educated and don't put ourselves into lifelong debt yeah. to have that degree. I also think it's noteworthy that neither Cuomo nor Raimondo are known as, uh, you know, yeah. a, a sort of lefty. Real lefties, uh, no. you know, yeah, I mean, right. she comes from a finance background. Uh, uh, he obviously has had his, uh, you know, battles with, with liberals over the years. And so it, it's an interesting policy that both allows them to substantively move to the left and sort of be where the progressives are. And also, you know, if they're thinking about <laughs> running for the White House, that's, that's helpful with, in terms of the base. Right. No, it's a great issue. And uh, Peter, I think you're right. In terms of a message of the Democratic Party, two things we believe in. We believe that everybody in America should have health care as a matter of birthright. And we believe that every kid in America should have a free college, uh, free public education Mm -hmm. up through um, four years of college. Yeah. And there's all all that's that's a a pretty good platform. (laughs) I'll take a stand on that platform. (laughs) Uh, So meet the press yesterday. uh, Graham Weiss with us again from New Republic. Uh, Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer were on back to back with a little different approach to the big vote 
this week on Neil Gorsuch. Here, first of all, Mitch McConnell. Judge Gorsuch is going to be confirmed. The way in which that occurs is in the hands of the Democratic minority. And I think during the course of the week, we'll find out exactly how this uh, will end. But it will end uh, with his confirmation. So they begin debate, and I think the vote is scheduled for Friday, isn't it? Later this week. Thursday, I think. Thursday. Thursday, Thursday, okay. Uh, Chuck Schumer followed. Uh, basically saying they're not going to have 60 votes. And here's what they ought to do. Here's uh, Schumer. Instead of changing the rules, which is up to Mitch McConnell and the Republican majority, why doesn't President Trump, Democrats and Republicans in the Senate sit down and try to come up with a mainstream nominee? So he said, don't change the rules, change the nominee. What's going to happen? Well, I think I think it's a foregone conclusion that ultimately uh, Judge Gorsuch will will be put on the court, unfortunately. Um, But I think uh, there's no harm. And in fact, there's probably great value in the Democrats doing what they're doing, which is standing up, you know, being counted, um, making them change the rules in terms of, um, you know, pushing him through. Um, We are at a moment uh, where. Uh, you know, sort of going to, to what Peter is saying, uh, I think there's no harm, you know, in and, and the safe place is always to be, you know, sort of virulently uh, opposing uh, what the Trump administration wants to do. And also, you know, Gorsuch is going to be uh, for for decades a, a conservative voice on that court. Uh, you know, it is a foregone conclusion that there will be, you know, tons of decisions that will be really harmful to the country that, that, that he'll be responsible for or, or help control. To. Um, and so the idea that, yeah, that you know, Lindsey Graham um, is someone who uh, has been an interesting voice on this because he uh, voted both for Kagan and Sotomayor, uh, the Obama Supreme Court nominees, uh, including mm-hmm. in committee under the Obama administration. So he's been making this sort of earnest plea that, come on, Democrats, you know, you know, he's eminently qualified. You know, why can't you just, you know, be bipartisan? And we have this tradition. And that would be a, a compelling or more compelling argument, except for the fact that the Republicans, including Lindsey Graham, didn't support hearings from Merrick Garland. And so right. it's, you know, we're at we're yeah. at a place where given that history and given the, the who Trump is and the sort of questions of the legitimacy of the entire presidency, which there will which will continue as the Russia investigation unfolds um, it, I, I I think uh, you know it's it's a it's a messaging tool for Democrats and a, and a substantive you know form of opposition to it stand is up. so cheeky of them to talk uh, and plead for fairness right. for for uh, Neil Gorsuch after uh, a year yeah. of dumping on or not treating fairly America Garland Hey, everybody, this is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for The Bill Press Show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. McKay Coppins is a staff writer at The Atlantic. So if anybody could break with the Republicans and make a deal with Democrats, it could be a Donald Trump. Sure. 
he could make a deal with Democrats on health care, uh, not to repeal, but to repair well, to repair, Obamacare. Sure. Yeah. Well, so why doesn't he? Well, first of all, I think he'd have a problem with not just the Freedom Caucus at that point, but a lot of Republicans. Um, I also question, frankly, what, how the appetite in the Democratic Party and on the left to work with him. And and there's legitimate reasons for that. I mean, yeah, he ran no, 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 a campaign yeah. that was pretty scorched earth against every Democrat, every every oh, yeah. liberal, oh, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I wonder. I mean, may, you know, maybe I'm wrong about this, but I I I, I do wonder if he. If he made a real effort to reach out to the to the left and to Democrats, what, I don't know if there's a lot of good faith there. I don't think that they would really see him as uh, somebody who they could sit down and negotiate with in good faith. Maybe right. may, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe that's not fair. But I mean, I think you're right that there, if there's any Republican president in the last you know several decades who could actually find common cause with Democrats on certain issues, well, on certain Donald issues, I, we've always said about jobs, sure. maybe and on infrastructure. And on health care, if they got off the just Obamacare, repeal, yeah, right. re- repeal and replace. But that's asking maybe that's asking a lot. It just seems to me there there may be as good a chance of making a deal with Democrats as there is that Paul <laughs> Ryan can deliver two hundred and seventeen Republican votes. I think that's probably fair. Yes, which he's shown no capacity right. to do um, so so far. Um, one other member that uh, looks like the White House has now uh, lashed out against is Jason Chaffetz. Yeah. Is that how you pronounce Chaffetz. his name? Chaffetz. Chaffetz. Okay. Yeah. Right. Um, the, the, he, didn't he, he didn't support Trump, did he? He did. Well, he did. So he, went okay. back, he went back and forth. He, oh, he supported right. Trump. Then after the Access Hollywood tape came out, That's he withdrew his endorsement. And oh. then two and a half weeks later, he came back and yeah. said, actually, oh. I'm going to re-endorse him. Oh, I yeah. see. Yeah. He's, I see. Actually, he's on Morning Joe right now. There he speak. is. Oh, wow. There he is. <laughs> I hope they're asking him about my profile. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you, you did a profile about it. And what, what's the story? Well, the prince, so, you call him the prince of oversight. The, the thing about Chaffetz. Did you so, talk to him for your piece? Oh, yeah, yeah. I spent, I spent a good hour with him, I think, in his office uh, talking to him. So he's the chairman of the House Oversight Committee, which means that he is the chamber's chief watchdog when it comes to the executive branch. He is supposed to be the one who polices the administration, the White House, the executive branch for mm-hmm. abuse of power, uh, fraud, uh, waste, you know, basically he's supposed to be the guardian of good government. Right. Um, so far in the Trump era, he has not shown a lot of interest in uh, investigating the Trump presidency, I think it's fair to say. And, uh, you know, he's done a few things. He sent a letter to Kellyanne Conway telling her to knock it off when she said, go buy Ivanka's stuff. Uh, he's done a couple kind of small things, but he's t- taken a lot of heat, uh, especially back in his district, which has surprised a lot of people in Utah. Uh, it's a very conservative district, but one that has not warmed to Trump very much. Uh, Trump only won Utah with a plurality of the vote there. And a lot of voters in Chaffetz's district have been upset that he hasn't been more aggressive in going after the Trump administration's He had a pretty rowdy town hall, as Right, I recall, he got booed right? off the stage, yeah. Uh, so I asked him about a, uh, several of the kind of budding <laughs> scandals of the Trump administration um, and, and, you know, and asked him, you know, I talked about the the Chinese company deal that the Kushners are, are exploring, the $400 million deal, the Chinese company I talked about. Uh, you know, Kellyanne Conway kind of uh, hawking Ivanka's wares uh, via national television um, and, and several other things, the Russia ties. Uh, 
And I think what I was struck by is that basically in every case, he kind of shrugged shrugged off every potential scandal and said, look, like, that's not a big deal. That's not worthy of investigation. I'm not going to go on a fishing expedition. Um, and he basically, but the way he answered my questions, I think he laid out a template for what is worthy of investigation. And I think basically... I can't foresee a, a case where Donald Trump could do something that is going to draw a serious, aggressive investigation Nothing. from the House Oversight Committee. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong about that. Um, but I, I just there there was he did not show any real appetite for uh, for going after the Trump administration. And well, look, I will say, like, I, and I put it out of the piece, it is difficult when your your party's in power, right? That he has a lot of pressures yeah, from yeah. various different uh, factions of the party, both in Washington and in Utah. But he's an ambitious guy, and I go through his career. He is somebody who's very media savvy, very ambitious. He wants to run for governor of Utah in a few years. Uh, people see him as you know constantly pursuing higher office. Um, so I think it's a real question how he's going to handle this kind of fraught moment in his career. Well, what about, um, let's start with a couple of possibilities here that he might want to investigate. What about the fact that Donald Trump holds a lease on a piece of property um, called the Trump International Hotel on Pennsylvania Avenue, uh, and the terms of the lease do not <laughs> allow Donald Trump <laughs> Uh, to be the, uh, the 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 lessee in yeah. this case, I mean it's it, it, it's the the letter is very clear, right? So, and what are they right. doing about it? Well, nothing so far. I mean, what th- this is what I've what I've heard from Chaffetz and his defenders is that it's you know, no big deal. Well, it's no big deal, and that the president is immune from uh, is not subject to conflict of interest laws because it would be politicized. Uh, and that, you know, whether you like that or not, that that's the precedent. And that's that may the, be true. But he is subject to the emoluments. The, clause, the emoluments clause. Right. The, which is another <laughs> whole thing that every day there's there's money being spent in Trump properties all around the world. So indirectly. Well, and we know that there's litigation right now. There, yeah, there, there yeah. are serious lawyers, a bipartisan group of lawyers who are pursuing that uh, through the courts. And right. we'll see where that goes. I don't think you're going to see a lot of attention on it for, coming from the House Oversight Committee. I think that's fair to say. Okay. Uh, all right, that's one, two. <laughs> How about uh, the stories that came out over the weekend about Jared and Ivanka, uh, Jared yeah. Kushner and his wife Ivanka Trump, and their you know, enormous holdings, mm-hmm. um, which seem to present a very clear conflict of interest. They're making money on all these deals yep. all around the world while they're both working in the White House. So uh, the the umbrella statement that Chaffetz gave when I asked about, uh, I asked him, are you concerned about the Trump family reaping financial reward yeah, from right. his presidency? <laughs> and what he said Pardon. was, he shrugged and he said, look, he's already rich. This is a wealthy family. Uh, the, oh, the, the, God. The, Isn't that wild? I don't think that he ran for office to get rich. You know, I'm not, I'm not worried about it. Yeah, you know, rich people, they really hate to make more money. Once they get, like, a certain limit, it's just like, I've had enough now. I should step away and let some other people make some money. I mean, look, I'm just, I'm re- I'm not going to pass judgment on what he said. I'm a reporter. I, I'm just, this. what he told me was that, you know, because he's already a rich guy, he didn't run for office uh, to get rich. He's not trying to line his pockets. Uh, I, I, think, I think he said these little intrigues are a bit of a distraction. That was his, his quote. That is, I mean, that is stunning that he would that take that position, uh, with, face with 
Uh, so many things. So in that sense, I guess maybe the oversight is going to come from um, the Atlantic and from the Washington <laughs> Post and from the New York Times and I, from the media. I, I do think that if you're somebody who is worried about uh, the Trump administration's actions and you're looking for aggressive accountability, it's probably not going to be coming from the Republican Congress. It's more likely to be coming from uh, the media, which is why it's such an important time to support media outlets that are trusted and, and venerable and that you believe in. Well, thank you for saying that. I, I agree with that. In fact, um, I had a chance to interview uh, David Farenthold from The Washington Post uh, about a month ago and uh, at a public forum here on Capitol Hill. And a point I made in introducing him is that people always ask me, has anything good come out of the Trump administration? Uh, and my response is, yeah, one thing, one good thing is going on. I think we're seeing better investigative reporting today than we've seen maybe since the days of Watergate. Sure. I, I Yeah, so, no, do, I, do you agree? I, oh, I absolutely agree. And I yeah. have colleagues both at The Atlantic, but also at The New York Times, The Washington Post. I'm very, it's, it's an, I, I think, you know, um, for all the the political tumult going on, there is it's an exciting time to be in journalism right now because so it's the nature of any and this isn't a partisan statement. It's the nature of any when a, when somebody comes into office and has such an is so unprecedented in the way that they're governing, it creates a lot of opportunities to really uh, dive in and do your job and do your job well. And I think that a lot of my colleagues are doing that. Right, and I think it's significant that to date, at any rate. Uh, with all the complaints about stories that have been written and they're looking at the wrong thing, they should be looking at Hillary and not looking at me and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think I'm correct in saying this. Nobody has proven the New York Times or the Washington Post or the Atlantic or anybody else wrong mm -hmm. on the stories that they've been writing. Right? Yeah, the major stories have not. No, no, no. I mean, there. Are, I mean, I'm they, sure there, there have been corrections. Up. There have been, you know, there have been little but corrections. But the Michael there, Flynn but, stuff. Yeah, for no, example. right. There it is. Right. These three guys who. Gave Devin Nunes these documents at the White House. But uh, Donald Trump says, focus on the leakers who leaked yeah. it. Well, whoever leaked it, they got it right. Well, and this is the thing that's concerning, actually, to me. There's something about this that's concerning, which is that the the uh, traditionally tr administrations, both Republican and Democrat, have felt the need to engage directly with the allegations that are made by the press. Right. When there is investigative reporting done. Uh, and and they and it's coming from reputable outlets. The White House, the administration feels like they have to answer those, whether they're, they're denying them or not. Uh, they they go, you know, they actually engage directly with the outlets. It feels like this administration doesn't want to engage the direct claims uh, and reporting of these outlets. Instead, they're talking past them. They're advancing their own message, which is this is all fake news. These people are out to get me. Uh, we should be focusing on the leakers, not on what they yeah. actually leak. Yeah. the substance of their leaks. And I think that that's concerning. But, but you know, we've also seen that it's successful. I think Trump has been able to do that throughout the campaign. Uh, he showed an ability to uh, demonize the press to the point where his supporters and a lot that that's a lot of people in, in this country just weren't paying attention uh, anymore to what what the, the mainstream outlets were reporting. <laughs> The Parting Shot with Bill Press. This is The Bill Press Show. Hey, friends, you know, every day Donald Trump is trying to do everything he can to divert attention from the Russian connection. But it doesn't work. Why? Because every day we see more and more evidence that the Russian connection is real. The latest former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn 
asks for immunity from the House Intelligence and the Senate Intelligence Committees. What does that mean? Well, ask Donald Trump. Back in on September 27, 2016, at a campaign rally in Melbourne, Florida, after noting that a couple of State Department officials had been given immunity in the investigation of Hillary Clinton's emails, Donald Trump asked the crowd, quote, If you're not guilty of a crime, what do you need immunity for? Exactly. There's only one reason that Michael Flynn would ask for immunity, because he knows that laws were broken, uh, perhaps by himself, perhaps by others, perhaps by Donald Trump himself. And he, Michael Flynn, is willing to tell all, to tell his story, as his attorney says, as long as he doesn't go to prison, well, for as long as he might have to go otherwise. That's why Michael Flynn wants immunity. And as far as I'm concerned, that's why he should be given immunity. Let's hear what Michael Flynn has to say. Let's find out who told him to call the Russian ambassador and make a deal on sanctions. Let's find out who told uh, Michael Flynn to lie to Mike Pence about those conversations. And let's find out who was helping Vladimir Putin make sure that Hillary Clinton lost the election. Could it have been Donald Trump himself? Only Michael Flynn knows. This is The Bill Press Show.